Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to... Oh, wait a minute. I got this all out of order. Yeah, you did. You going to start now? You ready? All products and bike companies mentioned in this podcast, even those based on real products and bike companies, are entirely fictional. Matt, Andrea, and Kenny do not actually work in the bike shops they talk about. They work in a potato farm somewhere in the San Luis Valley. Yeah, that, that coal mine, it was real hard and dusty and potato seasons. Yeah, here you in know, Colorado. like black lung and shit. This podcast is not affiliated with any bike shop, contains coarse language, and should not be listened to by anyone. Hello and welcome to the 23rd episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Wild Basin Boozy Sparkling Water. Because Colorado's <laughs> out of fucking White Claw and we wanted to try some. And uh, let me tell you what, this shit will get you turnt like a burnt motherfucker. Woo! Get you some. It's basically, it's 5% sparkling water. Hell yeah, it is. It tastes like alcoholic liquid Flintstone. Yeah, vitamins. it has an aftertaste. If, if you remember Flintstone's vitamins when you were a kid, it has that kind of flavor. So whatever natural flavors are on the label the same shit that's in Flintstones vitamins. So I've had some of that stuff. It's kind of weird. I don't know why you kids like that. I just, I had never tried it. And I finally said, you know, I want to try some White Claw. And apparently there's a White Claw shortage. So Matt had to get the Oscar Blues version of White Claw, which is Wild Basin. It's just not, it's just not very good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just okay. I guess it's kind of low calorie for something that gets you drunk. It's 100 calories for a can of it. Yeah, it's pretty much like a... Shoot, I should just make that stuff. I'm just going to pour a tall glass of water, put a little bit of vodka in there, and just put my face in that uh, in the cup and blow. And there's your, <laughs> there's your little drink. I'm surprised minute, you don't have minute. a soda stream. You would have to like... What you would do is you would chew like an individual like gummy, like a cliff shot blocker, four hole worms. You chew up <laughs> some four hole worms, right? And then you take a swig of like water. And then you dunk your face in the vodka water and just breathe out. And that's like the essence of four-hole gummy worms. Nah, yeah, the like, only thing is that would be way like better than... Seltzer thought about a Flintstone. Yeah. That's a good plan, though, is you baby bird, yeah. baby bird some four-hole worms and uh, <laughs> makes them... No, wait, I think that wait, would, you, be... would you have a friend baby bird the worms and no, no, serve them I to you? No, no. I think that the four-hole worms, if they were in, inserted into the liquid would be too much i think you would just have to have the essence of four whole worms in your mouth and then breathe out into that like over the glass and it would be plenty of flavoring so now that we've talked about this and someone from white claw is going to try it gets fired <laughs> um what gives with this new intro guys do you want a one-line summary or do we want to get into this a little bit like, how deep are we going to go? Let's do a one-line summary first and then go from there. Uh, we all work at shops. We work at bike shops. We, that's how we make money. We get our... That's how we make that bread, stack that cabbage. Paychecks. And I don't think Kenny has experienced this to the same degree that we have, but when a player in the game that making is making products and selling those products for American currency catches wind of the show and they're not a habitual listener. I, uh, we're going to go like me medium dive here. Cause I can't help it. 
it's the wild basin talking. Um, <laughs> we have people that listen to a small part of the show. And after listening to that small part of the show, they haven't yet understood that we're equal opportunity haters. And they then call the shop and bring a bunch of heat to the shop, putting pressure on our jobs because they know that they don't really have a leg to stand on. Because if your shit sucks, your shit sucks. And if your shit falls apart, you're probably not chasing down everyone on MTBR and everyone in the pink bike forums. And if wacky leaks or wacky designs or whatever that huge commenter on pink bike that comments on everything i'm sure that dude's job has never been under fire but mine has it, it really sucks but there's not really a lot of a lot of way to put it um but I don't, we still have our jobs even though our jobs are now working at a potato farm yeah it's pretty shitty so yeah for everyone out there uh i mean we want to continue doing what we're doing and be who we are as far as personalities and opinions and everything. Um, and yeah, they're just that. I think they're pretty informed opinions and we don't just randomly make shit up about companies. Like that doesn't happen. Like anything that's happened to us has happened. And yeah, I guess there's a possibility that, that was the 0.0001% chance. Uh, but we're still going to talk about it because that's what we do. Um, and I just think it's a really, it'd be a really sad place to live if everything in the entire world was a curated review magazine, like a whole bunch of the shit out there. And it's just regurgitated marketing wank from the company that created the product. And it just gets sent down the line and everyone's supposed to just eat it and be happy. And, yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you're reading an article about a product review and in the middle of that article, as you scroll, there's an ad for the company that makes that product. You can pretty much believe that that review is, I'm not going to say it's all bullshit because a lot of products are excellent, but you can believe that they're not going to tell you about the bullshit that happened with that product if something happened. Well, or if they just didn't like it, they're not going to say they didn't like it because that little strip of advertisement for that bike company that you're reading the product review about, that's that's paid. That's like it's that strip of advertise, advertisement is just as paid for as the review that you're reading. And I'm going to pick on an individual here really quick. And I've never met him. And if oh you boy. ever want... What? He's going to punch you in the throat if he sees you. I don't care. But if he wants to come on the show, that's fine. He doesn't live that far from us in the grand scheme of the world. But what I want to do is like add to what Kenny said. Like, let's take someone like Nick Lagan. Nick Lagan works for VeloPress. And... He used to work for Velo News. They're not related. Velo is just overused in the cycling industry. We could be like Velo Bike Radio. You know, that'd be a thing. But anyways, like Nick Lagan rides for the Shimano Gravel Alliance. I'm 99% sure. And all of his bikes have Shimano. And he has a mosaic that's really pretty and has like the most beautiful paint work done, I think by spectrum powder coat. And it's obvious that I follow his stuff because it's wonderful. But if the new SRAM stuff just blew his tits off, there's going to be some bias there. And you could say that Kenny has a bias because he rides fast tracks and Mike senior ships him those by the pallet load <laughs> to talk about them. And, you could say that Andrea and I have a bias because we are Ergon factory riders this year, but 
I think a big difference in those two things would be, and I don't know Nick Lagan's personal uh, alliance with anything. And, and if I'm wrong, I'm happy to have him on to talk about it. But what we're, what I'm trying to get to is, is I loved Ergon grips before I was an Ergon factory rider and Kenny rode fast track tires before he started getting pallets of tires with cocaine inside of them. You know, like, <laughs> wait, am I supposed to talk about that on air? No, that's fine. That's Kenny, fine. I did put fast tracks. I put, I put fast tracks on a bike. Yeah. Pr- pretty amazing. Huh? On my own personal bike. I've only ridden them once, but you know, they, they're tires. <laughs> They That's held good. air. I By the way, and uh, we'll yeah. we'll get back to our more serious news here in a second. But Fast Track is now out for 2020 in a 2.6 grid casing. Oh. So that is going to be the. Oh, I don't want to. That's going to be the enough. ultimate 170 mil single crown bike tire. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Kenny. Yes. If you didn't live eight hours away, I'd probably just like kick you under the table yes i just i wrote oh man speaking of 2.6 inch oh no keep going i I was about to change the subject to something else so well actually let's we'll we'll talk about what we've done and all that kind of stuff here in a minute let's let's wrap up the uh the more serious side of the show since it is important and i think a lot of people i think the vast majority of people appreciate the show for what it is and it is it's it's entertainment we obviously like to rant about stuff and it's fun to get that out on the table. And, you know, we bring a lot of, um, I think we bring a lot of truths to the table that some people either don't want to talk about or whatever, whether it's, you know, interactions with customers and how that stuff works and etiquette in the shop and stuff, you know, that's frustrating from our side, from, uh, from whether it's dealing with vendors or customers or, uh, or manufacturers or whatever, like, I don't know, it's fun. It's fun to just like, speak the truth. And if some people, some people can't handle that, you know, whether it's, uh, you can't handle (laughs) some people can't handle it and it's a bummer. I wish people could handle it and just deal with it. Um, again, it's not that we're trying to, you know, the last thing I want to do is I don't want to put any companies, um, out of business, but I want, you know, I wanted it to be, it should be looked at any view that we have that might be perceived as negative if a company could just take that as ammunition of, Oh man, we should maybe address that. Or, Hey, we should see what's going on or we should give them our side or, Hey, we should redesign this product and make it better because some people are obviously not happy with it. And we're getting some really good unfiltered feedback. That should be the takeaway from it. Not the let's go after those people and their jobs. Like that is a pretty fucking silly way of going about it. Right. Cause there's definitely two ways that they could take that criticism. Right. One would be, like any poor, I mean, because we all work in retail, we all have employees and whether like Andrea is a service manager, I'm service writer, but still I have a decade or more of bike shop experience. So I often, I have a role of mentor at, at least, you know, like you could say that I can mentor the younger generation of people that work in the shop. And I totally lost my train of thought. Taking criticism. Right. So someone, you could approach someone and you could talk to them and say, hey, do better. If they if they blow their lid, you know that they don't have a lot of maturity or that this isn't something that they take seriously or it's not something that they want to like improve upon. You know, they, they think that they are the gold standard already. Like 
They're they're an eleven, like a gold standard. <laughs> you know, they think that they're like the shit. And if a company is like, wow, here we have access. All I have to do for free, like everyone else that has access to the internet in an unrestricted country can tune in and listen for free. You could get a lot of market analysis, biased nonetheless, but market analysis and free field reporting on your products. And you could take that and you could do something positive with it. So just like that employee that you go to and you're like, hey, um, do this thing better. Let me show you how. They could be like, thank you. I needed that, you know, or cool. I'll add that to my like arsenal of things that I can do, you know, but yeah, it's wow. It's, it's rough. Like we offer such a, we have a lot of experience. We've done some shit. I think, I think truly a lot of companies have a humongous disconnect between the product development side or the marketing side with shops and consumers. A lot of times, you know, they're so used to just fluffing everything up and making everybody, you know, they're trying to stoke everybody out and pretty pictures and, you know, doing little clinics and going by shops and, you know, showing everyone how cool everything is. And that's great. Like I want everything to be positive. Right. But you also need to be able to take the criticism because that's the real feet on the ground stuff right there. That's not you just regurgitating your stuff and seeing what people's reaction is to your regurgitation. It's actually, hey, I've used this shit for a year. Here's all the things that piss me off and here's why. And they go, oh, shit, maybe we should try to fix that. So I'll use an example. And it's going to be pretty direct, so hopefully you don't get in trouble for it, but that's fine. Um, shouldn't be taken that way. Specialized had a lot of issues with the brain shocks on their 2018 epics. And I don't think they realized how big of an issue it was. Um, now, some people never had problems for sure, but I saw a lot of them. Uh, and I think it took them almost a year and they finally sent some people over to the shop. Uh, not going to mention who, but some pretty high ranking folks at specialized came by and actually like talked to me and I was really honest with them about it. And they were like, holy shit, we really didn't know that. And they did a lot of things to make it right. So they have since, you know, offered shop like loaner shocks. They are covering more and more of that stuff under goodwill warranty, as far as issues with the shocks for original owners, they have changed up their warranty policy, uh, on both wheels and the shocks. I mean, it's like all really good stuff. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's me that did that. It's just that it's an example of you, like, obviously we get heated and like, I, it wasted a lot of my time and money as a shop. Right. Uh, and it, and it burned a lot of, relationships with customers and trust in their product and all that. And I think they realize how to fix it. And I think they're making really, really good progress in that direction. Um, and specialized, you know, the vast majority, like people can say whatever they want about specialized. And I wasn't a specialized shop until more recently, last three years. And they make really good stuff. Like they just do, whether people want to argue against that or not, like they've got a lot of R and D money and they make really good stuff. And like every year, Everything that comes out is better and more refined. Our warranties are super low on their products. Like all I'm saying is positive stuff about Specialized. Like it's 
they're really good stuff and I'm super pumped to be a dealer of theirs, but I want to be able to give honest feedback, whether that's in this public forum uh, or if it's in private, like you've got to be able to have that little bit of unfiltered to get stuff done correctly. Like that's just how it's got to be. And people need to be adults about it. And I think occasionally what may happen for better or for worse is, and let's say there's 10 people that had the same exact experience that you did, right? Well, you and those nine other people contacted, you know, like warranty at specialized.bike.com or whatever their warranty email is and talked to their team of warranty support people, right? Yep. But Jimmy heard the show and told Joe, and Joe is married to Sally, and Sally is someone at Specialized that like called the warranty team and was like, what the fuck is going on with this? (laughs) And that could be a real thing. You know, that could be, it's not that necessarily what you said on the show was different than what anyone has said to warranty, but someone different heard it. You know, like you had the opportunity to reach maybe the right person as much as that may suck. Occasionally talking to it. I hate this, but I hate it when you have to know a person to get something done, you know, and, right. But, you know, it's it's a lot like, um, you know, if you're just a, an end consumer, let's say you didn't have access to, you know, a bike shop or whatever, and you've got some major problem with something. A lot of times what you have to do to get heard and get taken care of is you just post some gnarly ass video on social media somewhere. And they're like, Oh my God, this is the like, you know, alarms are like going off at headquarters. They're like, Jesus Christ, this is the worst thing to happen ever. Like give this guy whatever the fuck he wants. So he shuts up. And like, that's also terrible. Right. Kraft is like, Oh my God, this Mac and cheese didn't have the cheese packet airlift a pallet of Mac and cheese to this person's apartment (laughs) right now. Yeah. It's just a shame that, that nobody, Oh man, it, it's hard. And that's the thing. It's that companies should be pumped that they're getting past that disconnect. I think that part uh, of the, uh, and that they're getting unfiltered information. Part of it is some of the unfiltered information comes from people that either don't know how to use the product or don't understand basic, the most basic engineering and physics and mechanical detail. You know, like they, there are some people that are just like, oh, I, I tried to, like I, I had a SRAM guide break and I tried to use a Dremel so it would work again. And I took the master cylinder apart and filed it and put it back in. It doesn't work now. And SRAM sucks. Like I think they get some of that. And then they just don't have the intelligence and maturity. Like Matt said, to filter out the very uneducated yelling from the people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Like you and Matt and I like, it's, you know, like there's a lot of noise out there, but I feel like ours is pretty accurate and experience based and educated noise. And hey, we get we get stuff wrong from time to time. If you really think we got it wrong, then hey, tell us. <laughs> we'll we'll listen. I'm not scared. Uh, anyway, but here's the here's the real thing that's never been said that needs to be said now. If company, if you're out there and you have the urge to call my employer. First, call me, email me, email Ben. It's, it's JRA at mountainbikeradio.com, Ben at mountainbikeradio.com. You can, if, if you have a product that we have shat upon and we have done so 
and and this is going to circle a little bit. We're going to back it up a little bit just to piss Tyler off. We're going to back it up. Terry. If you're just butthurt, call the shop and bitch because nothing's going to. It doesn't change anything. Like nothing changes at all. Our shop loves us. They love that people come in the shop because we have a podcast. So sure. Whatever. Like try it. Yeah, so uh, there's that, and then there is um, where I was going is if you if you're not just butthurt, and we're just if if your shit sucks and you're pissed off, we said your shit sucks. Stop making shit that sucks. If your shit doesn't suck anymore or doesn't suck because we're stupid and we don't know how to use it, and, and we got it wrong. Yep, email me, email Ben. We'll have you on. Because if we've wronged you, just like a newspaper, we need to have a reprint that corrects that wrong transgression against you. But no one wants that. Because if they come on and I'm like, well, how did you fix these problems that you used to have? And they're like, those weren't real problems. I'm like, okay, well, here's 19 MTBR threads that I found in 0.0078 seconds, according to Google. Um, Those are problems that there's 5,000 posts about. What do you mean you've never had those problems? Oh, well, people don't know how to use them. Okay, are your instructions good? Oh, well, people shouldn't service them themselves. Well, if they don't know how to use them and shouldn't service them themselves, are they properly assembled? Oh, well, you know, if that's going to be your on air, you probably don't want to come on air. If you're going to come on air and school us and put me in my place and slap your dick in my mouth, or just rub lips in my face, whatever your gender may be, <laughs> come on with it because you're welcome. We have an open platform here. If we fucked it up, come on. Because the people that like us, they like us because, and I'm going to avoid using major media outlets here, but like Andrea was saying, if you see a lot of targeted ads or a, another way to put it is this. If you read a publication And then you look at the contributors on their social media and stuff. And every bike that they're riding has a certain brand of components or wheels or clothes or shoes or whatever. You're never going to find unfavorable things said about those items in that outlet. And it's not that you won't hear about good favorable things about those products. It's that you're only going to get the good side of the story. Or another way to put it is this. I had someone that writes for a certain media publication, and I'm not going to out this person publicly. He had a demo bike where a product failed on his demo bike, his test bike. And he said he was literally pumped. Like He sent me a Facebook message and was like, I'm so pumped. My XYZ failed today. I've had two of these fail on personal bikes and the warranty process was absolutely like painful. Told it never happens. There's no such problem. Isolated incident. We're going to need them back for warranty evaluation. We're not going to send you new product, blah, 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 blah. He was so excited that some shit, he broke three of these items, but the third one finally broke on a bike that he was reviewing so he could talk about it in his media outlet that this shit broke because he wanted to talk about how it broke, but it wasn't proper for him to talk about how he broke a personal item 
if I'm reviewing something and then saying, oh, but I've broken these items on my personal bike, then that's just kind of dirty. But he was pumped that something broke on his bike that was a review bike. I don't have to do that. I can say I've seen 18 incidences of this in the last year and everyone has been a pain to deal with, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, because I don't have morals or anything. <laughs> Can I go right into talking about um, a bike company that has recently done the wrong thing that Specialized did not do when Kenny had an issue? You can. I mean, we're 26 minutes in. We should probably move on from our... Well, this life. is something I was going to talk about happened to me in the last, like, since we recorded. So, uh, there's a company that is sold at this bike shop that I am employed at. Uh, and it is Ibis. They sell bikes with tires that are too big for the frames. And the... Uh, the standard for safety is a four millimeter tire clearance. Once the tire has been mounted and ridden, um, if you take a four millimeter hex wrench and shove it between the seat tube and the tire, it will touch both of those items. Maybe not when it's brand new and maybe not if you had it on like, I don't know, a smaller rim. It comes on a 30 something millimeter internal rim, 35 millimeter internal rim. It's a, it's it's too large, and even if it was a five millimeter clearance, it destroys the frame. Literally destroys the frame. I have like every single ibis that comes in, where the customer and this is more than just the the DV nine is the worst offender. That's but there's more. Like they're all of their bikes that are specced with a two point six inch tire in the rear. The tire two five. The tire picks shit up from the ground like a mountain bike tire does. It's not muddy here. It's fucking dry as shit. There's not mud here. I'm going to make it so dry for you. It is the driest place you could ride other than the all-out desert. We're a high desert. You know, if you went to Arizona to like the low desert, it's a little drier there. So it's not that people are riding through mud. And this is every single bike that has this tire. It's not certain customers. Any customer that has one of their bikes, especially a DV9 with a 2.6 inch tire in the back, the frame insides gets just chewed to hell and back. It looks like a drunken weasel has like lived back there. Right. So I emailed their warranty department and I said, hey, this is a problem. Would you guys, since you spec'd this tire on the bike, would you cover this under warranty? And back and forth, back and forth. The answer is no. Emphatically, no. Hell no. Yeah, like a hell no, we won't cover that. Um, your customers should be buying frame protection, which we've done like on our demo bikes. We put a bunch of stickers and shit all over the rear so they wouldn't get chewed up. And it looks like shit. I mean, but if you and your bicycle are the only partners you have, you should be able to go in raw. <laughs> So basically, when we sell these bikes to customers, we have to say, oh, yeah, the company put a tire on here that's um, barely within the minimum safety standard for tire clearance. So you have to buy this really nice frame protection kit and put it on your bike. Um, you know, the frame. What are those the like kind of plasticky ones that we've been using? They're they're expensive. Like I'm, you pick it up and I'm you're like, this is, you're like, this is fucking stickers and it costs like 
thirty or forty dollars. I mean, but let's face it, they're really they're real nice, really stickers. nice. Stickers. Yeah, they feel like hard plastic when you put them on, and that's that's what you have to do. But a customer's already spending a bunch of money on a bike, and that's you know what it feels like. Not always an easy sell. It's like you're telling them the company put the wrong tires on the bike, so they have to buy something else or buy a new rear tire. You know what it feels like? It feels like an iPhone. You buy a six hundred dollar phone that if you drop it, it's going to get destroyed. So you buy a six hundred dollar phone, and then you you, you don't <laughs> even like case. like you put it in your like zipper breast pocket on your vest, and you walk to a different store and you buy a sixty five dollar case for your phone. Right. It's like the greatest scam in the phone industry is phones make this like. Twelve gajillion dollar industry of phone cases. Like, so, so not only that's what happened to Nokia. Nokia wh- was an inside job. <laughs> not only was it, was it a totally unresponsive, like no, that's that's a no, we won't warranty it. They went one step further and gaslighted me by saying, "You're the only person that's had a problem with this," which is basically telling me that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and I'm crazy. And I, there's no way in hell I'm the only person that's ever looked at one of these bikes after it's been ridden 10 times and been like, wow, that tire is way too fucking big for that frame. And they said, you should just have your, your bike shipped with smaller tires because that is an option that we offer. Why would you offer an option of a tire that's going to destroy the fucking frame? Or at least just the paint on the frame. Okay, maybe that's destroying the frame hyperbole. But it destroys the paint on the frame. That is factual. The paint is destroyed from the tires they spec on the frame. I have definitely built a bicycle, sent it on a demo, got it back from that demo, and a brand new Ritmo just had a gigantic gouge. And it was literally ridden for under an hour. And there's just a huge... Right. And Gouge already through the rear triangle. Yeah. So. so so not only are you taking criticism and just not taking it, but you're trying to be it's I mean, it's it's being aggressive towards the person bringing you criticism to gaslight them and tell them that they're the only person with this problem. That's not true. I know that's not true. I cannot be the only person. Maybe I'm the only person who's complained about it outwardly to them. I'm not the only person with that problem, though. Every person who has those bikes in their shop with a 2.6-inch tire on it has had to have said shit at some point. Twice this summer, I've had to like strong arm the warranty rep a little bit. Once, I was on the phone with someone, and I'm like, hey, these break. Or they were like, oh, the video doesn't really show it. We're going to have to get it in for warranty evaluation. I'm like, and it's like, no... They're oh, like, that was the, the crank? Yeah, it was a crank set. And they're like, I'm trying to be super PC here. And they're like, oh, these cranks, we're going to have to get this back for warranty. I'm like, what's your email? And the guy was like, what? And I'm like, what is your email address? Because I'm going to send you another video of this broken crank knocking around where the insert in the crank is loose. Because I was like, let's face it. I was like, look, dude, I'm not trying to be like rude to you. I was like, but these cranks break. My customer's tired of being jacked around. It's been 72 hours to get an answer from you that you want it in the mail. I was like, if you had told me you wanted it in the mail three days ago, it'd be different. But the customer wants to go ride. 
it's a di2 bike with or an xtr di2 bike with carbon cranks and fox factory everything and carbon wheels and his cranks have fucking imploded and we've been chasing a noise out of this bike for like the last month and it turns out the noise is this broken crank so what's your email so i can send you a better video of how broken your crank is i was like it, you, you're not surprised this crank is broken you can't be you know <laughs> that these cranks break and he was just like yeah it's this and then recently i had another situation where i was on the phone and they were like yeah we're not going to warranty these because the serial numbers are wrong and i'm like you're going to warranty them because i've already done the work because i already have the items so send me replacement items for these you you know that this is a problem he's like well the serial numbers aren't any good in my system so there's nothing i can do and i'm like that's not true. I was like, well, I'm you. You can see that I've warranted twenty of these items at once. I wrote down four of the serial numbers wrong. I was like, pull my history for year to date, and if you go back through all of my old orders, you'll see that occasionally, like, I put in a bogus serial number with a note dot fluid was on the serial number notation. I'm sorry, I lost the serial number to this. I apologize. I was like. You can make this work for me. And he was just like, well, the serial numbers aren't any good. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, you talk know, to the last person that did it for me. I was like, you know what I could do? Like, he like kind of crawled up my ass and I was like, you're not playing for the same team as me right now. And he was like, what? And I'm like, you and I are not playing for the same team. I was like, I get it. Your job role is dealer service. But at the end of the week, we have one goal collectively. I stoke the customer out on your brand. You support me as a dealer. And I know that you have my back on stoking the customer out on your brand. I was like, you know I could just stock your competitor's product and sell a bunch of their shit instead of dealing with this process for a product that you made that has 1.6 million bad products in the market. You know, I could just not support that. I could tell you guys to piss off. I could not bleed another break. It, I could just not deal with this anymore. But instead, I play for a team that makes your brand look good. And you support me in making your brand look good. And right now, I don't feel like you and I are playing for the same team. I feel like I have done what I'm supposed to do historically all year with a couple of hiccups. And suddenly those hiccups are becoming insurmountable problems along the way of you and I stoking out a customer. And suddenly all my problems went away because like, so where I'm going with that is like, I shouldn't have to crawl up your ass when you know there's a problem. It sucks. It sucks too. Cause you know what happened? And here's another open invitation. If you have an employee that works in customer service, but customer service behind a phone or a computer, ship them out to me for a week in July. I will be happy to let anyone with a clean appearance. You don't even have to be that clean. A clean appearance and no body odor. <laughs> To shadow me as I talk to customers all day, every day for one week straight. 
four straight days, four tens, fucking come party with me at my hip. Because there's so many people that work in the bike industry that support those that are customer facing that have no clue what it's like to be customer facing. It's like that meme. Some of y'all have never been yelled at by an angry woman about something way outside of your pay grade. And it shows. Exactly. Like that is. I think it's angry white woman. I mean, that's implied if it's in a bike shop because, you know, bike industry. The demographics of the bike industry. Yeah. So I don't know. We could. No, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty valid point for sure. Because uh, yeah, (laughs) there's a, I know exactly who you're talking about, which is pretty funny. So, I mean, we don't even have to say names or brands or anything like that. But yeah, I've encountered a few people on the phone recently from said brand. And Did he uh, talk to Jimmy? Man, they are like, I don't remember who it was. I don't want to name names. It's just who, whoever they are, like instantly trying to make my life difficult. And then I get pissed. Like, what in the fuck? You know, hey, here's... 26 things I need to warranty and not even like a mention of, Oh yeah, let's try to help you out a little bit for all the shit that you're doing for free labor dollar wise. Oh yeah. Like a lot of anyway, things, things are changing a little bit. It's kind of a, it's going in the opposite direction a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of companies, if you ask them for any kind of a labor credit, it's not all of them, but if you ask for any sort of labor credit or product in exchange for labor, like they're, they're like, what? Why would we do that? I've got a four-month-old product (laughs) that is making a customer. It has an audible malfunction, so it creaks. This product creaks. It is exactly 18 weeks old. Fuck you. We don't cover shipping to have it sent in for evaluation. Yeah, that's some fucky shit, too, by the way. Like, oh, I've... I got to fight that one up and down, right? Because ultimately what ends up happening is, you know, if I sold a bike to a customer and then it's got a faulty part on it, not only do I have to diagnose the damn thing and then get in contact with, uh, you know, make a work order for it, hang the bike up, you know, do all the shit I got to do, contact said company. And of course I got to do it fucking tomorrow because if I don't do it tomorrow, customers like, why the fuck did this take so long? I don't understand. Um, anyway, because sometimes do all that making stuff. a phone call in a bike shop takes t- till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, so you got to do all that stuff. And then it's like, oh, yeah, fine. I guess we'll take a look at it. We'll make an RA, uh, ship it to this address. And it's like, excuse me? So now, and I also, I can't just charge a customer on a bike that they just paid for from us. Uh, I can't charge them shipping to get something warranted. So ultimately, as a shop, I end up having to eat that shipping cost, which fucking blows and it's just like expected and it's very bizarre and it's it's i'd say it's about 50 50 50 percent of companies will supply labels and the other half like absolutely just will oh, not yeah ks doesn't either um and i think that's that's pretty that's pretty insane for something i totally understand if it's something that's like older but if it's well within the warranty period and it's pretty obvious that it's a warrantable thing you better damn well pay to get it shipped out to you because already the customer is going to have downtime and I'm still taking all my time doing being your middleman and doing all this eval. It's just insane. Maybe what we should do is just uh, lobby all these companies to go directly to the customer <laughs> and just say like, hey, um, we're going to have all the customers call you guys directly now with all their problems and I'll just stop being your filter. So all the dumbass people are going to come out of the woodwork, 
You know, you think that we're dumb sometimes? Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yet <laughs> you get uh you get Jimmy calling you and he's and he's got some who knows what the fuck problem and now he's on Twitter talking about it. Uh yeah. So I don't think you want to go down that road. No, and it you know, it it isn't what you would expect because I don't even know how to put it. Like it's not even that it's, it's like so easy, generate a label, ship it to me or ship it back to yourself. You know, like, like, or, or here's one that I've ran into a couple of times. I've literally gotten a prepaid shipping label. Like I've done all this work. I've warranted 20 brake levers, right? I get a shipping label that holds eight or 10 brake label levers. Like it, sometimes I get a label. Sometimes I get a prepaid envelope and I get a prepaid envelope and I could put like half the shit in there. And I'm like, Hey, um, guys, like I have to call back and I'm like, um, here's the order number. You sent me an air jacket number one for 20 brake levers. There's no way I can fit all those in there. You just um, tape the air jacket to a box. Just yeet it into yeah, the mailbox. Just, just tape it to the box with a $10 bill on it. And with that said, I'm going to go pee. And Andrea should start talking about what's been going on because we're like... Yeah, so we've been we've been ranting about industry shit for a while, which is good. Minutes. You got to do it every once in a while. So people understand you know what we do it's not a it's not supposed to be a crying session either it's just making people aware of like the challenges that we have um you know and trying to make things better we need to figure out how to make stuff smoother and better and how to turn stuff around faster for customers and all that good stuff so anyway i think we should stop talking about industry stuff for a minute i'll talk about talk about cool cool bike shit and what we've done chickens let's talk about bike let's talk about bike shit oh all i have to talk about is chickens Bike. You've done no biking. I've have done so. Okay, so I got a Rocky Mountain Vertex that I want to use for some bike packing, and I built it up to be uh, what I call a slider road bike, which is a hardtail carbon hardtail with lightweight wheels and lightweight tires, and that's what I put the fast track. I put the fast track track two point threes on that uh, control case. There you go. I'm doing the controls. I'm going to see if I get away. I'm going to do a lot of training and riding and stuff on it. If I start having flat tires, I'll switch to at least a grid like in the back. But that two, like now that you say there's a 2.6 front, do you know how much, are they going to do that in the control casing? Because the grid's just heavy, especially in a 2.6. Yeah, the grid's the grid's not that heavy. I mean, I think uh, what you'll find is I don't think they're ever going to make any 2.6 tires without a grid just because they'd be so floppy. Yeah. Yeah, that fast track control. But no, is they do not. They floppy. only make the two point six in a grid. Okay. Uh, well, it, I don't know. I probably won't do it then, but we'll see. I'm going to try the. I'm doing the fast tracks because they're uh, they're cheap and they're fast rolling, and that's kind of been my my mo for my slider road bike. Um, I haven't put it on yet, but I'm going to put Axis on that. Probably do that tomorrow. It's just got GX on it for now because GX is also great. Just not quite as awesome as that. Shit slaps. It does. Like GX is just fucking solid, man. It slaps with a cable. Axis slaps without it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've only ridden it once, and it's it's so nice. Like the cool thing about a carbon super light hard to like this this build is um, it's like 
right around what wasn't it 20 and a half pounds or something 23 quarters so yeah so i'm gonna call it 21 pounds just because um when i weighed it i had a 2.1 tire on it and then i got my 2.3 and i switched to a tie seat post which i don't really i think that was kind of a wash in weight um yeah i mean it's it's pretty fucking cool it's gonna be around 21 pounds i think fully fully functional but uh, yeah so that's that's really cool it just goes like as soon as you put power to it, it it goes forward. Yeet. Yeah, just yeet, just goes. Uh, in other news, I know a lot of you. I I get messages from people saying that they love my chicken stories, and I'm sure that there are equal number of people or more that hate my chicken stories. But this is our podcast, and I can tell chicken stories if I want. So I'm going to tell them. Uh, I had a neighbor who I saw on uh, Howard Colorado Happenings Facebook page that she was giving away three of her Rhode Island red hens because they were, she wanted some new hens and she needed to clear out space. Uh, so I said, I'll take them. And I went and got them, brought them to my house and my rooster, Brent, the rooster, uh, gigantic naked neck chicken. He did not like the new hens to the point of where he would chase them and bully them and peck them, which is normal. Like chickens, they have, they, they literally have a pecking order, uh, like a hierarchy in their social structure. And they, they will kind of like fuss at each other and squabble some, but he was, he would run across the yard towards them and just grab one by the back of the head, which is a normal rooster activity I've learned, but he would just grab it by the back of the head and then just start pecking at it. Um, and it was bad enough that one chicken got a cut, like a big gash on the back of her neck. And then another chicken, he pecked her eye and now she's blind. So, um, I put my own post on Howard, Colorado happenings. Does anyone want a rooster? Because I was ready to just off him and make stew out of him or broth. And, uh, and what another one of my neighbors, a different neighbor said he had a little rooster who was getting bullied. And this little rooster's name is tiny. And he is a very tiny fellow. He's young and he's real cute, but he has kind of a messed up wing. Um, so he was getting picked on by the other uh, roosters at this guy's house. And so we just had a rooster trade. I traded Brent for Tiny and everyone's real happy because Tiny just kind of runs around with his little bum wing and does little crows in the morning. And um, yeah, so now I've got like a really interesting group of chickens. I've got uh, you know, it's like the kind of normal chickens. And then I've got Lenny, who is definitely like a special needs kind of chicken. We have to clip her toenails because she walks funny. Uh, we've got now the one-eyed chicken who I've been trying to think of a name for. Matt said Mary Reed, who is a pirate. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out other like one-eyed female uh, names that I could name this hen. Uh, Nurse Ratchet was another suggestion from one of my coworkers, um, L driver, who was someone from, uh, she was one of the women in Bill who had an eye patch, uh, because Pi may plucked out her eyeball. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And now time with this little bum wing. It just feels like I picked him up the other day. It feels like the upper, I guess, wing bone, arm bone. It just kind of goes the wrong direction. So his wing just kind of stays on his side, but that's all right. He's a cool rooster. He's real cute. He's pretty. He's not a big asshole like Brent. And by the way, Brent, who I said was kind of a bitch-ass rooster, 
when I caught him in a net, he screamed like a person. Like I thought my neighbors were going to call the police on me because he literally just started yelling. And it was the, the worst noise I've ever heard come out of an animal. But it's all right. He's gone now. So that's it. That's all that's happened to me. New bike, new rooster, new hens. Kenny, what you been up to? I've been riding a decent amount. I don't know if we talked about it on last episode, so I may cover it again. But yeah, I did a park day with the shop. Does that sound familiar? Deer Valley um, with... Uh, didn't you ride like a downhill bike? That you, you put like some fast tracks on a downhill bike? <laughs> no, that's just my stump jumper. Everything is as it was. <laughs> anyway, did some Deer Valley, did a lift day. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. Lift days are going to end a little bit, not early this year. It feels very early. So this uh, this next weekend is the last lift day at Deer Valley. And I feel like it's just getting run in. It's kind of a bummer. It's still really nice out. So maybe they'll... Did they start late? Mm, I think they did start a tiny bit late just because the obviously the season was way snowier than normal. But it'd be nice if they would have a little bit of flexibility in there where they have like a cutoff date, but then if they want to keep pushing it further, they can. Cause it seems like more and more people are, um, yeah, more and more people are, are riding parks. So it's really cool stuff. They're bike building more trails. Fun. Yeah. It's really good time. So anyone who hasn't ridden a bike park, you don't even have to do big stuff necessarily. It's just fun to go ride a whole bunch of trails that are generally downhill and are challenging and you can kind of keep, pushing harder and harder on harder trails, just like skiing, really. I mean, that's why skiing is really fun because you can, if you just want to like stick to the greens and blues and just rip down really fast, you can. If you want to go do like sketchy shit, you can go do that. Like it's, it's kind of fun. It's a good time and you can have as much as you want. So anyway, Deer Valley is still awesome. It's only getting better. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing Park City pretty much every weekend just because if it's good out there, like that's where I'm going to ride. Um, just like if it's good down south, that's where I'm going to go. But yeah, it's been a really good time. We found some new trails out there, um, at least new to us, not a very popular side of the mountain. So we kind of went road over more. We started at Park City, which is in the middle. Basically, Park City is in the middle, and then you got Deer Valley. Uh, if you're facing the mountains, Deer Valley is on your left, and Canyons is on your right. And they're all kind of interconnected. And we rode up one of these long, you know, 1,500-foot climbs or whatever uh, up to the middle part of the mountain. And it's called Mid-Mountain and take that mid mountain trail out to canyons. And man, that's a good route for anybody who wants to do park city stuff. It was really rocky and techie, but not so much so that it's like scary, but it's just fun and challenging. It's just so different than the rest of mid mountain, which has been so run in, I think manicured over the years where you can basically take like a baby stroller down <laughs> mid mountain in a lot of parts, this part you cannot. So that was a really good time. And then we found, uh, cause canyons used to do lift run ser service and they stopped doing it maybe two years ago. Uh, something like that. But we found some of the old jump trails and they were still in really good shape and it was fucking awesome. One of them is called uh, Dropkick and just has amazing tabletops and like hip jumps and like some features, wooden features and optional lines. And it's just like fast and like super good for, I mean, you can definitely tell that people still ride it from time to time. Uh, and we got a little bit lucky with the weather, like it had rained the week prior. So everything was good. And it's like in the woods under super good uh, cover. So all the dirt was just amazing. Anyway, it was like really good time and it was fun. It's cool too. Cause there's nobody out there. So you could just session little parts and, uh, it was just so fun cause it was eye opening. We had no idea what it was. We'd never even heard of this trail before. And we rode down it. We hit the first couple jumps and we were like, damn, 
those are like really well spaced and timed and like that was really good. So we like went back up to the top because I was also scared. I had no idea what was coming up and you come ripping on the stuff at 30 miles an hour and you see a drop off. It could be one foot or it could be like 12 <laughs> feet gap. to like cut down tree stumps at the bottom and it could actually kill you. Like you have no idea. So we would like go down a couple things and then go look and go, oh, wow, that's awesome. I see where this goes. Oh, it's a hip jump that goes over here. And then we'd like walk back up again and then ride back down it. So anyway, it was just a lot of fun. We had a really good time. Uh, what else? My DI2 is dying. I'm very sad. Oh, your Memphis, like so the DI2 I, you got in Memphis? <laughs> yeah, my Memphis XT DI2 has served me well. So uh, on a positive note, like, well done, Shimano. That lasted a really long time, like eight to 10,000 miles. And uh, everything else still works with the exception of the rear derailleur itself. Uh, so if I got another derailleur, I could probably limp it along. And maybe I'll do that. I don't know. We'll see. Eagle. And Eagle. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I got a lot of money here that I want to spend. And it's going to get real expensive real fast. Because by the time I do... Uh, new fork and newer shock like I want to do. And then I get like a uh, wireless Eagle and then I do uh, a wireless dropper post. That's a lot of money. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> even at my cost for all that stuff, Thousands. like three grand or something, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to hurt. So anyway, we'll see what I'm going to do. I don't know, but there's something on the horizon. I'll have to go figure it out. But, uh, shout out to Shimano. Shimano did a really good job. It might be time to go switch over to some SRAM. I mean, I love all the SRAM stuff. All the one by stuff has always been awesome, whether it's mechanical or, or wireless or whatever. It's all been really good. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know which direction I'm going to go just yet. I, 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 on one hand, I really want to go with the wireless access everything and just go that route because they make a native 34.9 C post, which is good. By the way, my X fusion post has been freaking phenomenal. And I was looking at a bunch of weights the other night and 34.9 posts, the Xfusion's like 50 grams, maybe a hundred grams heavier than some other stuff, but it's not like super heavy. I really want Fox to have a transfer in a native 34.9. So hopefully they'll do that soon. We'll see. And so I don't know what I'm going to do. I kind of want to do a lot of things, uh, but I don't have to do anything. That's the problem, right? I could very easily spend $3,000 on a bike that works pretty damn good right now. And that's kind of my dilemma with the exception of the rear derailleur being a little bit weird and it still works. It's just, you can t like, if you grab the derailleur, it has play in every single angle you could possibly twist it on <laughs> just because all the, all the bushings are just, <laughs> they're just worn out. Right. And it's no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that thing has shifted a fuckload, and it's, it's getting a little bit tired. So anyway, I don't think people realize that rear derailleurs do just wear they just out. Just wear out. Just like, you know, they just, it's, it happens. It's that classic road bike that comes in and it's like 10 speed Durace or something. And yeah, it was really nice. With the, the cables that come out of the uh, shifters, like out of the outside shifter. Yeah, maybe not even that old. Maybe just still an STI setup. But just, you know, this thing's probably got fifteen or 20,000 miles on it. It's very obvious. And, you know, the last two years that they brought it to you to get tuned up, you're like, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I've got everything adjusted the best that I possibly can. It's just tired. And they're like, oh, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't understand. It, this should be fine. It's Durace. Yeah, Durace lasts really long, <laughs> probably longer than anything else. But, you know, here, I'll show you. Wiggle your rear derailleur around. It, like, moves all around. <laughs> 
And they're like, well, what fixes yeah. it? Well, you could put another derailleur on, but there's probably a little bit of wear in like the pawls and the shifters and like just a little bit of everything. I know it's not what you want to hear, but it just is what it is. It's tired. You need to just, you need to get new stuff. This stuff is not an unlimited, unlimited uh, life on it. So anyway, I've got a little bit of that going on with my DI2. Again, truly, I probably could fix it just with um, a derailleur if I needed to. And maybe that's what I should do, at least for the interim, until I save up a bunch of scratch and either get a whole new bike or go in deep on axis. The other thing I want to do, and I don't know if I talked about it, is I think I want to do, as much as I hate them, uh, since this is my primary bike, I kind of want to do some remote lockouts on the stump jumper. And I think it'd be pretty cool. So I think I'm going to get remote lockout Fox 34, same exact thing I have right now, just a new one. Cause mine, just like everything else, that fork is old as shit. And damn, is it still good though? I mean, mad shout out to Fox. And I've told a lot of people, including Fox, uh, by the way, I want to point out that I will call out companies all the time and call them up and be like, Hey, you guys make some fucking awesome shit. You need to keep it up. <laughs> so, and they're like, what? I told our Fox guy that when he came by. Yeah, he came by. I'm like, dude, there's nothing better on the planet right now than a Fox 34. Like, they're so and good. A Fox 34 is so trans- good. And they last what forever. What mortgage you ask for? <laughs> like, they just don't break. They don't die. It's amazing. As long as you don't go 10,000 miles without changing wiper seals, like, they just don't break. You don't even have to. Of course, they're going to have a heart attack, Me, you know, hearing me say this. But, like, you don't even have to change the damn damper oil. Um, I mean, as long as you change your damn wipers, those things just run. It's crazy. So anyway, my Fox 34 is still fantastic, but you can tell she, she's getting a little tired and I've rebuilt it a lot, many times. And it's just not quite, not quite what it used to be. So I think I need to, it needs to go on to another home and I need to just get some, some new stuff. So anyway, remote fork and shock may be happening. I think that Wait, could would be. Would you stick with, like the. I think that could be. So weird I'm, I'm conflicted because I like remote lockout stuff, but I really hate Fox's remote lockout. Like I think it, it burned me when. Yeah. When what Trek I would went do. To the Fox suspension on the top fuel uh, a few years ago and the levers, like there is so much resistance. The lever. Would oh, they're break. so bad. No, no, no. None of those things. Uh, I would do like a yeah, Scott yeah, Twinlock yeah. lever, the new, new one, because the new, the new, new one from 2019 onwards uh, has a little bit different leverage ratios, a little better ergonomics, like just a little bit better. Well, in even every the old way. ones were better. Yeah. Uh, and the old ones were decent. Oh, yeah, they were good. But the new ones were even just, better. So I'd probably go with the Scott lever. I would run that RockShox one. The RockShox twist that lock. At? That's all I would run. See, I was a fan of for for uh are you yeah are you being serious. serious right now? What do you mean am I being I don't know if he's being like I can't tell if you're if you're joking or not. Why would I run any You're talking about the grip shift? Fuck thing? yeah, grip shift or die motherfucker, don't be scared. <laughs> I still don't know if you're kidding or not, so I'm just gonna disconnect I'm, this conversation. I'm dead fucking <laughs> I'm dead serious. I would run the SRAM grip shift lockout. I'm stoked I'm getting one. Um Okay. <laughs> See, I was I was a fan of on Matt's top fuel that he had. What was it like a twenty sixteen? Yeah, twenty sixteen. It had the hydraulic sprint lock. I liked that, and it was partially because being hydraulic, like the routing didn't matter quite as much as with a cable. You know, it could have like a little bit more bend in it, and 
it was just solid. Like the it didn't because like Fox's lever, they went from that which was totally reliable as long as you understood how to bleed it. And that was there was a little learning curve there, but little. You know, follow instructions, read, know how to do it. As long as you could follow instructions, it worked wonderfully. And then they went Which to one? this thing. Hydraulic lockout? Yeah, that hydraulic one. And then they went to the Fox lever, which I think we warrantied every single one that we sold at the shop. I don't know. Now that we're doing like, Canada. Literally every one. Like they, like they sent us, they sent us as many, like we said, we've sold this many and they sent us that many replacement levers. Yeah. So we're a Cannondale shop, uh, in addition to the other zillion brands that we carry, and I've been dealing with uh, quite a few of those dual hydraulic lockout, the sprint thingies or whatever, and it's uh, unpleasant. Oh, I always liked the ones that I did. I mean, I just thought they were, and maybe it's because yeah. they were juxtaposed to the Fox lever that came after it. But they... Uh, well, anyway, the Scott, the Scott lever is pretty freaking good for those looking to do an aftermarket setup. So I don't, I mean, I'm just so conflicted to... I don't want to have six cables on my bike. Like I can't do it. <laughs> well then just it, have it, it four. It just won't happen. So I, I can, I can do four or but five. Do four. I can't six. So is, do, no, six do is the axis, limit. do axis yeah, with the electronic break, drop, break. dropper post and you wouldn't. Hey. <laughs> Dog's barking. Do axis and do the electronic dropper post and then you eliminate two of the cables. Yep. Yep. I think I might have to do that. And that's why I've been conflicted. So my, the vein side of me is like, okay, I need to do axis dropper and rear derailleur. And that way I've got two less cables. And then the more logical part of me. A Fox live shock. So you don't have to have a rear lockout. (laughs) I could, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen way back in the day. I really wanted to integrate the DI two with the, uh, that little Fox lockout thing they had for a minute, but it was, it was kind of like spotty support and it was hard to find stuff for them that ICD or whatever the heck it's called. I don't know. Yeah. IRD who knows. Anyway, I think that one's off the table. Maybe what I'll do, cause I really don't lock the fork out that often. Uh, maybe just starting with the rear, like I could get a new fork and just get the fit for damper. And then if I ever wanted to do a remote, I just buy a whole another damper and you just slap it in there. Good to go. And I could just do the remote on the rear for now. Check out Kate Courtney's cross country bike. Yeah, I know she's got like a a lever in a weird place for the dropper, right? No, what she has is she's running a single blip shifter to run the dropper because she runs an under the bar twin lock and then an in the grip blip shifter for the dropper. So, so the right bar has an blip axis shifter, shifter. How does the blip shifter attach to the? Because, you know, here's another thing I'd really like. I don't like, again, this is feedback. Uh, I, I really like the Axis stuff. It's been really solid. The droppers are freaking amazing. We've talked about them on the show. However, I don't like that the dropper lever looks physically and feels different than the shifter. Like, I haven't had my hands thunder? on one. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah it's trying to there's storm a, here. There's a storm just south of us. Oh, crap. Anyway, that was, that was rowdy. Anyway, so... So can, I think what you you're have trying to say one, is this. I want to have just one shifter. If I have just one fucking button, can I just like add it? I wish they just added a third button to 
this is really what they should do for the next revision. This is what you, I know what you all want. All shifters should have three buttons and you can assign them any way you want. So if you want to just have one physical lever on your bike, you can do shift up and down on your rear derailleur. And then there's another button that is your dropper. And you don't have to have a separate pod with a separate battery and all that shit. I know what you want, Kenny. What do I want? You what want, you really, really want? I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. You want a, <laughs> you want an axis shifter that has blip ports on it. Yes. Because so is, that, is that not what a you, How does Kate Courtney do what she does? Because she's running a blip box. What the fuck is a blip box? Okay, so for everyone that doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about, because as much as Kenny is a electronic nerd, I am more of a... I know the compatibility of all the shit off the top of my head, nerd, because I fucking just remember this shit, right? So, hear me out. Where I'm going is, right now, what you have for a road bike is you have shifters. And shifters have integrated sending units. So, the right shifter and the left shifter both are a sending unit, and you pair each shifter independently to the rear derailleur, correct? Yes. Now, on those sending units, which happens to be one on the right side, one on the left side, you have a couple of ports. And into those ports, you can plug in accessory shifters, a.k.a. a blip. That is the little toggle buttons that you can plug in. It's like a Nico wafer that's a shifter. You got it. So they're about the size of a quarter in diameter. They're about four quarters thick. They're awesome. So if you had a road bike and you wanted to do a triathlon, you could bolt on your aero bars, plug in your blip shifters to your shifters, AKA sending units, bada bing, bada boom. Good to go. Bob's your uncle, right? So you haven't so, explained how Kate Courtney does her thing. We're getting if there. you could let me, uh, that is how it works on a road bike on a time trial bike. You have a, blip box and a blip box is a dedicated sending unit and from that sending unit you can so it's got a it's got a battery in it basically right you got it so then you plug blips for your extensions if you want to run blips on your brake levers you could plug four blips in there and then program those to shift up shift down etc etc what kate courtney has done because a mountain bike shifter is a sending unit with no accessory blip ports, you must run a blip box. So what she's done is she has a shifter that is paired to her rear derailleur, and that shifter shifts. And that's, that's all it does. That shifter only shifts her rear derailleur. And traditionally, an axis dropper would use an axis dropper lever, which is a sending unit. But instead, she runs a blip box under her stem with a single blip plugged into it. And that blip tells the dropper lever to open the valve. And that blip box is carried just for the sake of running the dropper. And her mechanic said as soon as SRAM makes blips with longer wires, her blip box is going in the frame. But until then... It hangs under her stem. Well, hopefully SRAM is listening and make some other cool shit. Cause I don't know. I just don't like, I don't love that dropper lever. Um, I don't even know. I like, I just rather would not have it. It's not the end of the world. I'm so far away from one of those 
and any of my customers affording one of those that you I sold have, one. I have never paid attention to what the lever looks like. And I'm about to look it up on the internet right now. I guess what's interesting is I've worked on at least 15 of them. So from the new, new S-Works Enduro, as an example, the new S-Works, um, the 2020 S-Works Levo has uh, the wireless dropper and uh, some people I ride with have them. Yeah, so I've worked on quite a few. And I, I still, again, I like the I like the dropper. I definitely wish it were, you know, I wish it were 50 or 100 grams lighter. That would be pretty cool. And I don't know what is going to be involved as far as rebuilding them goes or how fast the internals explode. But the actuation is like on freaking point. Hey. It's insane. The second you touch that button, it actuates and it actuates as long as you hold down the button, which is exactly how it should be. So they got that right. Yeah. I mean, I'd love, I'd really, really love to try one out, but I just. There are a lot of American. Currency. It's yeah. That's for, cause I, the bike that I have a dropper post on that it's the pond trigger post. It's cheap. It works. Like it fits my bike also is another thing. Like it, it my bike barely holds a one twenty five seat post and that one fits. And I could literally like, if I loosen my seat post collar, I can push it down like an eighth of an inch. It's like, yeah like it's it's like push it down into the frame and then pull it up an eighth to a quarter of an inch and that's that's my seat height and i just have no i don't even know i like i i haven't even looked they're so expensive and cost prohibitive just for me to buy one as someone who already has a working seat post that i have not even considered shopping for one to the point of like i i don't even know which one would fit in my bike And that's why it's hard for me too, because I've got a bike that's quite functional right now. And like that X fusion C post is cool. I mean, that is so far and away I mean, for $200 or $250, or whatever they retail for is. Yeah. They're, they're so freaking He's good. Is one of your dogs a dying? little shithead who is tired of being in his crate. Ah, uh, well let's, um, let's shut it down. No, I don't have anything going on. You said you were before we started. I know I'm just. So the quick update for me, I can't ride my bike. I got booted today. My foot's still not any good, so I got booted. So um, no new news for me. My dog's just upset that he's in his box and it's storming here. So Hey! Fucking little dickhead. Um, and for those of you that are going to be pissed off that I yell at my dog, you don't even know like the kind of pampering this dog gets. I don't even want to fucking hear it. So. He has his own selection of sweaters. He has... Multiple sweaters and a puffy jacket with the tall collar for when it's really cold. You got it. Like he's doing all right in the world of dogs. So, uh, but I do want to say one quick thing. We have a bunch of questions and I want to read one. Just one confidential message for Matt at mountbikeradio.com. Recently, you visited one of the porn sites I attacked with <laughs> my exploit. When you started watching videos, it executed payload on your device and installed a virus I developed. As soon as I infected your device, it acted like a remote desktop with full read-write access. I gained access to your files, your email, contacts list, and most importantly, your camera. Uh, My virus started recording your web browser and your camera every time you masturbated during the last two weeks. It is not perfect. It managed to record six videos clearly showing you masturbating. Call me whatever you want, a criminal, criminal or a dick, but this is just my job. I do this on a regular basis and recorded hundreds of people, but you are special. Why? 
because the apparent and perverse videos you were watching while masturbating, you know what I mean. Now I'm your master and you're my slave. Oh. How do you feel if I uploaded to Pornhub? Don't, don't start masturbating right now while you read this email. How would you feel if I uploaded to Pornhub all the videos with you masturbating? Send the links to everyone on your contact list, including your family and business partners. There's only one way to stop this. You know what Bitcoin is, right? Buy $2,000 worth and send to me immediately. So for those of you out there that get a link to me masturbating from the virus developer, developer get you some because I ain't giving <laughs> this dude 2000 bucks. <laughs> Only part in the whole thing I'm denying is that I'm going to pay him. So you're getting them videos, I guess. Um, actually, can we do a real one? It says just one if it's quick. Hey, Duke. This is the title. Tyler from the internet says, Hey Matt, I'm looking at buying a Hey Duke. Can you give me a review of your experience with the Duke? What you love, what you don't, etc. It looks to be a great versatile hardtail, single speed, local trails, a bike track, bike pack, trip or two. Thanks in advance, Tyler. Tyler, if I had any complaint with that bicycle, it would be that because it has such an amazing triangle space, you know, the triangle is so big to hold all that bike packing shit. The dropper post selection is a little bit short. And if my legs were just a little bit longer, I could have stuffed a 150 in the XL, but instead I was stuck with a 125 in the extra large. But and on a hardtail, that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal, except for my other bike this year had a 150 or a 170 dropper on it. So occasionally I would aggressively bottom out the dropper just because my legs were calibrated to lowering the seat 150 or 170. I would drop it. I would be on path to drop 150 or 170 and clunk. It just slam stopped at 125. Um, that's really the only thing that I can say about that bike. That's, I mean, it's heavy, but it's a steel it's, frame. You're it's not expecting that. It's not heavier than a Kona Hanzo. The Kona Hanzo is a good bit heavier. It's lighter than a Surly. Like that's the true. customer that's looking for a steel hardtail that can go single speed doesn't have a ton of options. And I truly believe that this one is a great option. And we have another question related to that that talks about a Hanzo and not really interested in that bike, but we can answer that one later. So is that cool? Anything? Anyone else? No, no, we're good. We should do another episode this week that's just all questions because we got a bunch of them since we recorded last, but there's like a bunch. Oh, I've got a quick, quick random one back to listeners who are awesome. So I, for whatever reason, misplaced the information. Who sent us the, uh, who sent us that artwork stuff? Oh, uh, Zach. Zero. Zach. Zach. No. Why why do I th- I guess that name makes me the Instagram name makes me think Zach. Hold please. Cause you got something in the mail, right? Yeah, well anyway, as Matt looks for that, I just want to say thank you. So that's really cool. Yeah, Appreciate awesome. you sending us uh original artwork. That's really cool. So I'll get a couple of those framed and yeah, definitely appreciate it because yeah, it takes uh your time and money and then you got to ship it out to us and all that stuff. So yeah, it's much appreciated. And for those of you that are interested, it's Garrett Olson. Yeah. I was going to see if he had a website. 
Well, his Instagram is zero act. That's why I thought I was thinking Zach instead of Garrett. And he does have a, he has a link on his Instagram as well. Oh, cool. But yeah, thank you. That was cool. All right. Well, with that, that's the 23rd episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2019. And remember, if you have some beef, bring it to us. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? (laughs) Is that it, Bueller? All right. Yep.